Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this edition of the Victor Mark Show. Today, we're going to continue with part three. That tells you how good this is of a conversation I'm having with two incredible guests, Gabriel and Lorraine Varela. They are founders of Inspiring Faith International. This husband and wife duo are especially passionate about promoting and strengthening faith in Christ, both within the church and even in the secular world. Now, as we were ending our last show, they were sharing about this miraculous story of his healing from cancer, because this is such a vital part of the story. I thought we'd roll it back a little bit on the audio so you can hear this powerful story once again. So let's get to it right now on this edition of the Victor Marks Show. Tell us y'all's miracle story, my brother. You were a man who was diagnosed with cancer. I think it was bladder. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. They discovered bladder cancer, a a large tumor in my bladder, four months after Lorraine and I had married. Wow. And I was having some discomfort, and I went in, and they said, Mr. Varela, you have a tumor the size of a golf ball in your bladder. The doctor says, well, you do have cancer. And I left the office with that. I was by myself with that. Mm. And I sat on my car and I said, cancer. Lord, how are we going to deal with this cancer thing? I was in treatments in and out with um, chemo, all kinds of treatments and all kinds of scoping and stuff for 20 years. Wow. And uh, I said, I am not going to abandon my God just because I'm you know, there's no healing because this is like a perpetual circle of cancer that is coming all the time, all the time. I'd say for the first 17 or 18 years of Gabriel's cancer, we didn't have, we didn't have a a good understanding of God's heart for healing. And when we got a hold of his heart, that he is a good father, he didn't give Gabriel cancer. He wanted him. He wants healing for him. It changed everything in terms of our perspective and our prayer life. I have to say that when he got that last diagnosis, I went with him to the doctor's office. It was the first time in years that I had gone. And I don't even remember why I accompanied him. But when the doctor left the office, he had Gabriel's chart open. And because I had a me- have a medical background, I was able to read upside down the letters in big, bold, red CA and cancer. It's like for all these years, I knew he had cancer, but it just kind of, like April said, it became so routine that you just kind of forget about it. And it just kind of struck me. It's like, wait a minute, he has cancer. Why are we not paying more attention to this? Why are we not like hitting this with our prayers? So we went home and ended up, we invited our church to pray for healing, my family. And there was uh, actually this one woman came up to us one day at church and she says, while we were praying, I saw this pink organ, like just totally healthy. And she saw a vision of a bladder. She didn't had never seen a bladder before, but she saw a healthy bladder. And so he was going into his surgery um, and I just thought, okay, so this is the confirmation. Gabriel's going to have healing, you know, because we got this vision, we've been praying and fasting and 
So when Gabriel went in for his surgery, it was late at night. It was eight o'clock at night. He was the last one on the docket and everybody had left. I'm the only one in the waiting room waiting for my loved one to get news. And the doctor forgot about me. You know, he did Gabriel surgery and he's like ready to go home. I was like, oh, I forgot to talk to the wife. So he comes back and he finds me and he says, yeah, I just, um, I, I'm glad that I, I have you still here. I needed to tell you, I've never seen anything like this in all my years of being a doctor. And I'm like, great, you know, like healing. He goes, I've never seen cancer spread so quickly in all my life. And because the cancer spread so fast, we're going to have to be very aggressive in our treatment. I'm going to send him home, but we're going to put him on this, this drug. It's going to wreck his bladder to the point where we're not going to, I'm not going to be able to even tell what tissue is healthy and which tissue is cancerous because it's like putting a bleach into the bladder over and over and over and over until it's just decimated. And then I'm going to go in and do the next surgery for him. And so, and I saw that, you know, Gabriel was going in every week and he was getting weaker and weaker. His body was reacting to this cumulative effect. He was getting, you know, it's just like you have this terrible sickness and you just, you're just getting, he's almost now not able to go into work anymore because he has no strength. And so I know that this, this stuff is working and doing what it's supposed to do. And so I did go in after those bombarding treatments and I went to the office and I remember uh, coming in and uh, he brings my chart and he sits me on this very cold uh, platform there. They usually go to a doctor and it's all cold and you're in this little robe and stuff like that. It's usually metal or plastic. And I noticed as he's getting ready to to go in to my bladder, I noticed that I have this this heat sensation on my back that is on my back, like heat. And I'm going like, wow, it is nice that you turn the heater on, on the table. And he looks at me and goes like, what are you talking about? I said, you know, connect. I says, there's no heater. I'm going, okay. But I still have this heat on my spine. And says, okay, let's go in. Let's go. Let's go see what's going on. And so he goes in and he, he I known him for 20 years. So he's very fast. He's like in and out. Yeah, this was what I saw. And this is the next treatment. Goodbye. See you later. This time he's in and he's kind of waiting. He's going like under his breath, talking to himself. He says, where's everything? He said that, where is everything? And he's looking oh. around and I'm going like, what's going on? And he says, where's everything? And he brings a scope out and he says to me, if I didn't know you for 20 years, I would ask you, what are you doing sitting in front of me? <laughs> Your bladder wow. looks like the bladder of a teenager. I'm going wow. like, well, praise God. He didn't know what wow. to do with that, but uh, it was like, great. He says, okay, come back in you know, a week or two and we'll do another scope and see how things are progressing and stuff like that, you know, very clinically. And, and so I remember leaving the office and, and Lorraine picked me up and she said, well, I, I told her there's nothing in there. It's all good. And so we'll re we're rejoicing and stuff like that. And so here comes another week, week and a half later for the next appointment. And he goes back in and he comes out and he says, it's even better than last time. Oh my goodness. So I said, yeah, just do uh, whatever you need to do on the office and stuff like that. And, and so I did. 
And so I am claiming this healing. I am claiming and I am just rejoicing over this. I mean, this is unheard of. And then they called me from the office as well. You know, there's going to be a follow-up treatment for a year or two, you know, and we want you to have the, this medication and this cystoscopy every so often. And I'm going, okay, okay, well, I'll make my appointments, whatever. And then Lorraine, as time went by, she, she says, I, I said, I'm going to go to the doctor. And he says, why are you going to the doctor? Do you think that God really healed you? Wow. I said, I said, yes. So why are you making these appointments? And I kind of stopped and said, she's right. If I'm claiming healing, what am I doing? So I called the office and said, I'm canceling everything. And the the nurse says, well, okay, but you know, this is not the best thing. And the doctor that has never called me in 20 years, I get a ring from the doctor. And he says, Mr. Varela, I heard that you're not going to be doing the follow-up stuff like that. He says, have you been reading online too many stuff? I said, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm healed. God has mm. healed me and I'm going to just cancel everything. He says, well, it's your body. You know, there's nothing we can do about that. And he hung up the phone. Wow. And 10 years later, 10 or 12 years later, we're walking through the mall and I see the doctor sitting right no. there with his wife. Of course she did. And I say, doctor, how are you? How's it going? And he looks at me almost in disbelief. You know, it's like, yeah, we're doing okay. It's like great. But he was visibly surprised to see yeah. me, Yeah. you know? And um, it's been 17 years since I haven't had anything, anything with my bladder. I love it. You know, um, my mother was healed from cancer. Amen. Huge struggles. And uh, her last treatment, she just said, I'm not doing it. The Lord told me he's going to heal me. Done. And she, and she's been cancer free for many years. Wow. Awesome. And then, you know, for me, uh, I was diagnosed bipolar to ultra rapid cycler, mm-hmm. uh, manic depressive. And I struggled for years, years with it. Uh, suicidal mm-hmm. loss of touch of reality. It was a pretty extreme case. And all those doctor's appointments, all the medication, everything they had me on. My daughter prayed for me one day at school mm-hmm. that her dad wouldn't have to take medicine anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt him touch me. And I remember drawers of empty med bottles. Huh all the medication and the Lord said, I've healed you, but now you have to renew your mind. Mm. And I did eight hours a day. I would listen to the word of God because I couldn't read, but I would listen and I wouldn't even listen to Christian music. It just, I needed the word. And when people receive healing, the enemy will come at you. He'll challenge it. Cause I remember having a panic attack after that, which anybody who knows anxiety and panic, it was a full-blown panic attack. And I remember grabbing onto a piece of furniture. This is when we lived in Hawaii, hanging on. It was late at night. No one was there. And I could hear the whispers of the enemy and said, he just goes, it's back. You're not healed. And it was exactly what the psychiatrist told me when I told him, I said, I'm healed. I'm not coming back. And I'm not taking any more meds. He goes, it's in remission. It will come back. 
And for years, I had to fight the truth and believe the truth, even over my circumstances, right? Because my mind wouldn't be feeling well or whatever. And the Lord would say, do you believe me? Are you going to believe that doctor? I said, I'm going with you, God. You are God. So those of you listening who are struggling, God does heal. Yes. I don't think we can tell anybody why he doesn't heal, except that he's sovereign. And I want to pray like he's going to heal me, and I want to believe it mm-hmm. and trust him with the results and know that he's a good and he's a loving father. But I know there are people right now listening and go, well, that didn't happen for my mom mm-hmm. or my brother is in a state of psychosis in a mental hospital or, you know, someone I love committed suicide because they, they had cancer and they didn't want to go through it. The reality is not everybody gets healed. And I don't have a theological answer for that. Mm-hmm. If y'all want to weigh on that, feel free. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of things. God is sovereign. He's a loving father and he wants the best for you. And through the trial of cancer and sickness, we are to continue to be faithful to him. He wants our faithfulness in spite of, because we need to uh, remind ourselves that the enemy works around this world, that the enemy and sickness, they're all around us, right? But he is sovereign. He is above that. Some get healed, some don't get healed. But to remain faithful, to ask continually, it's that communion you have with him that is important. You don't give up. You don't throw your arms up and say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to die. You never do that because God knows, God hears you and he's there. Another thing is that you never take ownership of an illness. It doesn't belong to you. It's not given by the Father. So when you say, this is my cancer, it is not your cancer. It is cancer. You can have a mold in front of your forehead, but it's not yours. And so learn to to separate and come against it, you know, and then wait on the Lord and strengthen your faith and surround yourself with a community of people that love you, that pray for you, and that are constantly, you know, having, lifting you up for, for all these things. Victor, I would say that, you know, when Gabriel had that diagnosis of cancer and then we were all believing for his healing, when he wasn't healed, I had to go into a deeper level of intercession. And a lot of my community didn't understand that, which was really shocking to me because we had all been believing. And when the report came back negatively, they all just said, okay, well, then that's, that's God's will. And I just kept saying, no, I know what the heart of God is and this isn't it. And so when Gabriel was having those extra treatments where he's getting sicker and sicker, I continue to press in and to pray and to fast and to hold on to God's word that he would be healed. And I remember one person in particular had written me an email saying, you are like an ostrich with its head in the sand. When are you going to wake up and realize that your husband is sick? And I'm like, I know he's sick. But I know what God has said. And it's just like when the spies go into the land, the promised land, they have the word of the Lord. God's told them one thing and their eyes are seeing something different in the natural. Only two, two, Joshua and Caleb held on to the superior report while everyone else just came back defeated and deflated in spirit. And I feel like that, what was it, like three months of having to hold fast to God's word, that's when the real testing of the word came. That's when the real testing of faith came to hold on to God's promise 
and his heart, no matter what we saw in the natural. And so that, if that's an encouragement for somebody that you've tried and you've just kind of said, well, it doesn't look good and it's, it's time to give up, just, you know, continue to hold on to the promises of God. And I would do that for myself if I was ever sick in that kind of situation um, until in my dying breath, I'm going to right. hold fast to God's promise and just believe his word. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that's within me. Bless, bless the Lord who heals who, you know, forget none of his benefits, who heals all your sicknesses and your diseases. I'm going to read those out loud. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage my soul, encourage my spirit with the truth of God's word that is superior to what is in my natural circumstance. Yeah. And you know what? Y'all are such good examples of this. And I would say, would it be safe to say, as I've experienced, when you're going through a deep trial, it's a lonely place. Don't expect, don't expect a lot of people to lock arms with you God will use this as a desert experience to say, nope, just me and you. But Lord, I need, no, come. Yeah. Come. Come here. It's, I want to show you things. I want to show you how faithful Mm -hmm. I'll be, just us. So, yeah, people listening and watching, don't, don't give up. That's the key. Don't give up and, and continue to bless God's name. And I love, Gabriel, what you said. Don't take ownership of this. I remember I used to tell people, manic depressive or bipolar, it's not who I am. It's just what I have. And 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 God healed me of it. And it's not even what I have anymore. So I thank the Lord. You guys, what a show it has been today. I mean, not often. I think this is the first program I've had where I was able to talk with friends, Gabriel and Lorraine, who who actually went through cancer and and saw the Lord heal. And, you know, one of the things that I like about it, it wasn't an instant healing, right? I mean, that was a long time. And some people say, well, the medicines and the treatments healed you. Okay, you can say that. But the reality is they know because they've lived it. And uh, and, and healing I, is real. We don't understand why everybody doesn't get healed, but you pray and you press forward and you push into the Lord and you keep banging on that door and saying, I'm believing for my healing. And, you know, we never elevate the healing over the healer. So get close to him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what matters. But I have two questions I ask everybody and uh, on the show. And the first one is what is y'all's perception of our ministry and Eileen and I? Warriors. Well, I, yeah, like I tell people, they are the real deal. I mean, they are constant. They are the same people they are inside, mm-hmm. that the same people they are where, where they are on the field. They're the same people. And that to me says a lot about who you as a couple are. You're no, it's not a show, it's not a pretense. It's uh, what God has planted in your heart. And that's why I think it's effective. And I initially said warriors, but I want to just amend that to say tenacious. You're tenacious to hold on to the things that have value for you. You're tenacious to hold on to the presence of God. You're tenacious to fight for your marriage and for your relationship and make that vibrant and active and alive 
all the time. You don't give up on your relationship. You just continue to make it stronger. You have such hearts of compassion, mm -hmm. your compassion in action. Now, a lot of people use those terms and they say, oh, we are compassionate. You know, they, they want to use that as their mantra or whatever, but you actually are just living it out without putting that label on yourself. I see compassion in action, especially Jesus said, let the little, let the little children come and do not forbid them. And you're like having Jesus's heart. You're going out after the children and you are enveloping them in your arms as though you are representing Messiah's arms around them. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Jesus, you know, the Bible scripture says that true and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans. And mm. you've taken that to heart and you have put your feet on the ground. You said earlier in another conversation that there's something about putting our feet into those places when God calls us to go. You have a yes in your heart. It's a hineni. It's the word that Isaiah spoke before the Lord when the, when God said, who shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, hineni, here am I, send me. And the Lord said, go. And I feel like that's your life word too, is hineni, hineni. Lord, here I am, send me and you'll go. Amen. That, that's so encouraging and humbling. And yes, I remember praying that prayer many, many years ago. When I heard that for the first time, I was it burned in my heart. I was like, yes, Lord, I'll be one of those. Send me. I'll go anywhere. I don't even when when I got sweet on my wife and, uh, you know, I said, hey, we'll probably live just beyond poverty. We may end up in Africa. So, you know, that's what I'm going to be about because I want to follow and serve the Lord. And she was game. It took her a year to to catch that vision of marriage, but I'm glad she did 32 years later. Wow. You guys, last last question, and um, we are all going to die. God healed you of cancer, but eventually he will call us home, if not corporately as a big group, individually. So what happens to y'all, Gabriel and Lorraine, when you die, and why do you believe it? Well, when God calls us, or at least God calls me, I am ready to do his work on earth you know, and work side by side with him after my life. I don't think I'm just going to go and I'm waiting for the clouds to, to come. And, you know, there's a song about when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be with Jesus. When I get to heaven, everything's going to be great. When I get to heaven, you know what? The minute we pass from life into his presence, you're going to be active. You're going to be doing things because God promises those things. So I am so excited you know, for that next step, which is going to be beyond our wildest dreams. And I'm ready. I'm ready to whatever he wants. Yeah. Lorraine, I'd like to pose a question to you as well, that when you die, because we all do, what's going to happen to you and why do you believe it? Well, scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So first thing, because I have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, I've confessed with my mouth that he is Lord. And I believe in my heart that he is and that God raised him from the dead. I know that I'm going to be in his presence. What happens to me and with me after that really is going to pale in comparison to anything that I could think of on my own. So I'm just I'm thankful that I know that I know that I know that I have um, eternal life and I have it with him. And I'll say one thing, the Lord gave me a very powerful, powerful dream in, the, in November 7th, 2000, where I heard God's voice for the first time. 
and he gave me a word and he said, go. And it was directly related to the Isaiah 6 passage, Hineni, who will we send for us? And the Lord said, go. That's the first time I ever heard his voice. And because he spoke to me so powerfully and he then gave me instruction to go to a Vietnamese woman, he gave me a Vietnamese word. It was such a powerful experience. Wow. I had somebody came, a relative come to me and she said, I've been a believer all my life, but now I know that there is a heaven because what God did to you. So he gave me such an experience. No one can ever take it away. I know that I know that God is real and that when my body, my earthly body dies, my spirit is going to be immediately in his presence. And there's nothing better than that. Exciting. Uh, Yeah. Love it. Thank you guys. That's encouraging many people listening and watching. And maybe some of you actually don't know what's going to happen to you when you die. Listen to the testimony of these two. These are not whacked out religious fanatics. They simply love God and love Jesus. They're normal folks. I know them. And I think what they're saying, you can take it to the bank. Faith and trust in Christ. It's what I call surety of salvation. And that's what I tell my Muslim friends. That's what I tell my atheist friends. That's what I tell people who struggle or don't have faith. That's my surety. It's Christ and what he did on the cross. You guys, thanks for being on the program today. Let's do it again soon. And I look forward to all that God's going to do in and through our lives and our friendships as well. God bless y'all. Amen. Bless Thank you. you, Victor. Listen, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, God knows he loves you. He's there with you. Live for him, follow him, and go get it done. God bless y'all. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.